This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 47. I'm Jim Garrity. Today we're answering a question from a listener who asks the following. I served a deposition notice under Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30B6, which of course, as you know, is generically referred to as a designated representative deposition or more commonly a corporate representative deposition. Anyway, the listener says, and I listed 30 topics that I need to cover. Each topic seeks a simple explanation why a specific decision was made. I don't know who made the decisions, so I can't just set someone specific, and one person probably won't know all the answers anyway. But in response to my 30 topics, the entity's lawyer designated 29 separate representatives. Is this a strategy, the listener asked, designed to thwart my depositions? Is there anything I can do? All right, so here are my thoughts. Well, that certainly is a large number of designated representatives, not record-breaking, but certainly unusual for a topic list of that size. Maybe the entity's lawyers know what they're doing, so maybe it's a tactic, or maybe they don't know what they're doing. But either way, it's going to pose a problem for you, as you suspect, and a problem for them. You've got to invest more time and resources taking 29 separate depositions. They've got to prepare 29 representatives to answer your questions. I think on balance, the greater burden is on the entity, the responding party, because all 29 have to be thoroughly prepared and meet the rigorous standards of the designated representative rules, which are uniform in the federal system and in most states because a supermajority of states follow the federal rules of civil procedure. Each of the 29 designees in your case must be able to answer questions fully and completely on their assigned topics based on the information available to the entity. That's a tall order if you're the entity's lawyer. I, I don't know for a topic list of 30 topics, and I haven't seen your topic list, but I don't know that I would produce that many. If I were on the responding side in your case, I think I'd try to find a way to condense the number of people that I needed to prepare. I probably would negotiate with you to make this a more manageable task. Maybe I'd encourage you to take a first crack at getting the information from my client through interrogatory answers, simply because of the time and energy and cost to my client, if I'm representing the organization, of properly preparing 29 designated representatives. As I covered in the third edition of the book, you know that the witness must come prepared to answer the questions on the topics, and that the failure of the witness to be able to answer the questions for the topics for which they've been designated is the equivalent of a complete no-show. That's from the Black Horse case in the show notes. When a witness is designated by a corporate party to speak on its behalf, pursuant to Federal Rule uh, 30B-6 or its state analog, quote, according to the Black Horse case, producing an unprepared witness is tantamount to a failure to appear that is sanctionable under Rule 37D. Back to your question. So what would I do if I learned that 29 different people were going to be produced? First thing I'd have to ask to be candid is, have I prepared an appropriate topic list? Is there something wrong with the way I've written it that's causing the production of a large number of designees? So my first reaction would be to look inward and to say, what have I done in this case that may have caused this? Maybe I should serve interrogatories. If there's a limit in my jurisdiction on the number of interrogatories I can serve, maybe I'd petition the court to allow me to exceed that number because the alternative, I would explain to a judge, is a corporate representative deposition with nearly three dozen people 
showing up. And I suspect most judges would allow more interrogatories as an alternative to your situation. Now, I don't know the details of your case, but that certainly seems to be an option. You could serve interrogatories, then perhaps zero in on the specific decisions that you need to learn more about, and then maybe take a designated representative deposition on that subset of topics. Or you can proceed as is. I still think I'd reach out to the lawyers representing the entity who's going to be producing the representatives and talk to that lawyer or to those lawyers about the topics to see if there's a way we can make this thing more manageable. Now again, 30 topics is not a particularly long list. I routinely see topic lists of 75 or 100 categories or topics. I think the most I've ever seen in a given case was around 300 topics, but that was an exceedingly complex case that involved some patent and trademark issues on a wide range of claims. But anyway, I'd try to evaluate whether there is something I can do to trim this down, and if there isn't, that's when I would reach out to the opposing lawyers to see if we can work together to somehow tighten this thing up. All right, so if you have to go with the topic list as you've written it, 30 topics, 29 designees, then here are some of the things I think I'd do. Number one is I want to make sure that my depositions are properly spaced apart time-wise. You want to make sure that you have enough time to thoroughly exhaust the knowledge of each of those 29 representatives. Sometimes I see lawyers faced with large numbers of depositions, whether it's a 30B6 or percipient, just first-hand knowledge witnesses, setting them for shorter time frames and then trying to blast through them. In other words, they try to race through them because of the sheer number of designees. I, I wouldn't do that. If I have to take 29, I'm going to take 29 depositions properly and thoroughly. I'm not going to trade thoroughness for speed. If you need 30 topics and if they're going to produce 29, you need to make sure you allocate enough time for each designee so that when the deposition is over, you know that you know what they know, if that makes sense. I don't know the substance of your case, so maybe that's an hour per designee. Maybe it's two hours. There's no way for me to know based on what you've shared with us. But I wouldn't rush the depositions no matter what, just because there's going to be a lot of them. So if that's how things shake out, then you just have to bite the bullet and do every one of them in a proper manner. And of course, that means exhausting all of the knowledge they have and doing a sufficiently thorough examination if the designees are not able to answer your questions on their designated topics to be able to show a court later in motion practice that they were not properly prepared and allow you to seek sanctions accordingly. Maybe the witnesses will not be cooperative. Maybe they're fully informed, but not cooperative. And that's why allocating sufficient time for each one is critical. I may also allocate enough time to ask each of the produced designees questions about the topics for which someone else was designated. Remember that under the rules governing designated representative depositions, you're allowed to ask questions that go beyond your topic list for that designee. Now, when you do that, the witness is then speaking in their own personal capacities. In other words, if you go beyond the topic list for witness number one, for example, which is all that the entity is required to prepare witness number one about, then witness number one no longer speaks for the entity. They're speaking for themselves. But really, who cares? Uh, you know, you get the information you get. So I might have a folder or a binder ready to show each of the 29 designees so that I can quickly ask them what they know about all 30 topics. You'll likely be surprised at how much each of the witnesses knows about the other topics that someone else was designated to talk about. And I suspect 
if you've got 29 designees for 30 topics, there's probably been some fracturing of the knowledge, meaning that surely some of the 29 have firsthand knowledge about topics for which someone else was designated. So again, if I were you, I'd have an appropriate binder of exhibits ready so that I can question witness number one, for example, on his or her designated topics, and then quickly move with witness number one to the other 29 topics that they may still know something about, even if they weren't designated to talk on those other topics. I would tell you that most lawyers who prepare designated representatives for deposition do not expect you to go beyond the confines of the topic list. So they don't really prepare the witness for any questions that go beyond the topics for that witness. In fact, many lawyers that set these depositions, 30B6 depositions, don't know that they can go beyond the topic list. And most courts have said that the topic list is just the beginning. The witness has to be prepared on the topic for which they were designated. And if you go beyond that, then the witness is then testifying from personal knowledge and is no longer speaking on behalf of the entity. And they don't have to be in a position to answer all the questions because they may not remember some things. But you can, without question, go beyond the topic list. And I would strongly encourage you to do that. Those additional questions can reveal a goldmine of information. Here's another tip I'd give you. Maybe get through the first five or 10 of your 29 designated representative depositions. See how they go. If everything's going smoothly, press on. But if you've identified some serious problems, either because the witnesses were not properly prepared or because the division of knowledge among the 29 is essentially fracturing the topics so that they're not effective, consider at that point halting further rounds of depositions until you can seek court relief. I would not run through all 29 if I discovered in the first five or 10 that there's a serious problem in the way that the, and maybe it's a problem that the opposing party built in, but the serious problem in the way that the entity has divided up the topics among its designees. All right, some additional practice pointers and then we'll wrap up. Remember that the cases are clear that no matter how many people are produced in response to a topic list, it's still considered a single deposition under Rule 30. So whether the entity produces one person or 30 or 50, it's still considered a single deposition under the federal rules. In other words, the entity can't produce 10 people under the federal rules and then claim you've just used up your 10 deposition allocation for your single 30B6 deposition. All right, pointer number two. On the other hand, even though it's considered a single deposition, no matter how many people are presented, the advisory committee notes to the 2000 Amendment of Rule 30 clearly say that when courts look at the seven-hour limit per deposition in federal court, the deposition of each person designated under Rule 30b-6 should be considered a separate deposition. The advisory committee notes for the 2000 Amendment say that, quote, for purposes of this durational limit, the deposition of each person designated under Rule 30b-6 should be considered a separate deposition for time purposes. That's the Bowie case, B-U-I-E, in the show notes. So absent a ruling to the contrary, you have seven hours for each of the 29 witnesses being produced in your case. And that makes sense. If the rules were otherwise, if I were limited to just seven hours, no matter how many designees the entity produced, then the entity could obviously drastically shorten my time with each designee by producing a large number of them. In the case of the listener that wrote today's email, the 29 designees, if the rule were otherwise, would leave me roughly 14 minutes apiece under a seven hour time limit. 
But under the way that the federal rules work, you'd in theory have 203 hours for your 29 designees if you took the full seven hours for each of them, which I suspect you probably don't need to do. Uh, pointer number three, if you get into your depositions and some or many of the 29 designees tell you that they don't actually know everything about their assigned topics and that you'll need to speak to some of the other designees, then you have a problem. When witnesses, whether those with personal knowledge or regarding designated representatives, begin pointing to other witnesses saying, I don't know, that person probably knows, you should be talking to them then you might be encountering a tactic that the courts call bandying. Now, the reason for Rule 30b-6 in the first place is to prevent this tactic of bandying. And basically, that refers to the defense tactic of having each individual witness come in and say, I don't know, ask Mr. B. You bring Mr. B in, he says, I don't know, try Mr. C. You bring Mr. C in, he says, I don't know, ask Ms. D, and so on. Basically, a game of hot potato where no one claims to have a complete answer and everyone passes the buck to someone else. Well, Rule 30b-6 was designed to put an end to that by saying, look, if you're taking the deposition of an entity and you want straight answers about certain topics, then you can designate those topics. The entity then has to come up with the witnesses and they had better be able to answer the questions on those topics. In a 30b-6, there is no, well, you should ask so-and-so because I don't really know. That's a critical function of 30b-6, to prevent the passing of the buck. And that's a potential problem when an organization designates a large number of representatives to cover what seems like a relatively modest topic list. The problem is that you might well run into a situation once your 29 depositions are underway where your deponents do start to point to each other to say, I don't really know the whole answer to that. I can only tell you about this. You're gonna to have to talk to designated representative number 14. So even if I proceed and I've got to take those 29 depositions, I still think I want to have a conferral with the entity's lawyer and document it in writing regarding my concern about bandying or about the fact that each of them might not have a complete portrait and to remind them of the obligations of each witness. Pointer number four. I want to point out that there aren't many cases on what we would call the overproduction of designated representative deponents. We found exactly one case where a plaintiff raised concerns about the designation in a case of just six or seven corporate representatives. Now the court there, while finding that the number of representatives wasn't unreasonable, did point out that it had concerns about the bandying problem, that the use of an excessive number of corporate representatives itself might have been intended to thwart a party who's trying to get a clean answer to specific topics. All right, pointer number five, let's look at it from the other perspective. If you're on the receiving end of a lengthy topic list and find yourself in a position where you've got to use a large number of designees, keep in mind that each one of them needs to be fully prepared to address the topic. Otherwise, you're at risk of a motion for sanctions as to each representative who can't thoroughly answer the topic. Also, if you do have a legitimate need to produce a substantial number of witnesses, consider asking the court to restrict the length of time that your opponent can spend questioning each witness. If you're in federal court, for example, producing 29 representatives would, in theory, as I mentioned under the rule, allow your opponent to spend up to 203 hours asking questions. Well, 
if they're only going to address the reason for a specific decision as to each designee, that ought not to take seven hours and you ought not to go into the depositions with the default framework of seven hours per deposition in place. Ask the court to limit the length of time proportionate to the topic list that each designee has got to cover. All right, thank you for the question. We've shared lots of information in a relatively short amount of time, but that will definitely give you some helpful guidance. And as for everyone else, if any of you have any questions about specific deposition issues, fire away. You can send them to me at jim at jimgarrityLaw.com and we'll do our best to answer them in detail for you in a future episode. As always, thank you for listening and remember that our staff, particularly the researchers, greatly appreciate it when you take a moment and leave a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. These episodes take a great deal of time to research and produce, and those five-star ratings are a great way to wave back and say thank you. Have a great day.